Hey guys, Cody here just reminding you that the best wrestlers in the world are coming to Iowa for the UWW World Cup at Extreme Arena in Coralville this December 10th and 11th. This one-of-a-kind dual-style competition features the world's very best men's and women's freestyle wrestlers repping their home countries and going head-to-head to decide who is the best wrestling country on the planet. You'll get to see Team USA's biggest wrestling stars like Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Snyder, Tamara Mensah-Stock, Helen Naroulis, so many more. There's no better time than now to be a USA wrestling fan, and there's no better time than now to get your tickets. Be sure to go to worldcupcoralville.com. I put links in the show notes so that you guys can get all the information you need. You're not going to want to miss this. One more time, get your tickets at worldcupcoralville.com. Number one, obviously, all glory to God. And then there's a CAMBUS, the most efficient organization on the planet. I'm going to put a plug in because we're in the damn state of Iowa. Bobby Telfer, I'm the baddest man on the planet. Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. I'm Cody Goodwin, the Register's wrestling writer, and I'm glad you're here. Happy Tuesday, October 25th. Fun show for you guys today. The U23 World Championships wrapped up last week in Spain, and with the number of American college guys that competed for Team USA, both at U23s and at the U20 World Championships back in August, I wanted to do like a recap slash lesson we learned type show to help drive us closer to the college season. Kind of another... Um, you know, odds and ends preview show, if you will, to get us geared up for for the season. So to do that, I called up Kevin Clonch, the Clonchinator on Twitter. He's one of the hosts of the Always Excellent Blood Round podcast, and he's now doing some Big Ten stuff for Intermat. So Kevin and I linked up this afternoon just to, to discuss some big picture thoughts and ideas um, from both the U23 and the U20 World Championships and kind of what it all means as we inch closer to the college season. Um, the season's here, but they start competing in about two weeks, right? So Kevin and I, we go for about an hour and it's really fun conversation. I think you guys are going to enjoy. We throw out some fun numbers, big ideas, postulate on kind of how these performances this summer might set up some of the uh, some of these guys for big, big college seasons, right? And um, all sorts of fun thoughts along the way. Kevin has some great insight, um, both a fan and now someone who really gets to cover the sport a little bit more. And I really appreciated his perspective on a handful of things that we talk about. So we'll get to it now. I hope you guys enjoy the conversation and I will see you on the other side. As promised, Kevin Clonch here on the podcast talking um, international wrestling. Had the U23 World Championships wrap up in Spain last week. Um, had the U20 slash Junior World Championships wrap up a couple months ago. But I figured that that's, you know, we can weave some of those results and reactions into the conversation today. But Clonch, um, for those who don't know, you 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 are half of the Blood Round podcast. You um, do some Big Ten stuff for Intermat now. How how are things? How are you? Oh man, life's busy because uh, you know it's that plus uh, three kids plus sports plus you know just generally trying to do some stuff for myself from time to time. Um, I'm busy, but uh, you know I got to remind myself I'm busy with all the stuff that I really like to do. And uh, you know when you asked me to come on here, I was like. Yeah, 100%. I'm in. We get to talk wrestling and talk some trash and go over everything we just got to watch. I mean, that's that's part of the fun of it is, is talking about it, right? So let's let's do it. Absolutely. Yeah, the the format, kind of what we're going to do today, um, just kind of rehashing U23s, U20s, um, and just kind of like, you know, these bigger picture lessons, um, you know, lessons, thoughts, ideas, whatever it may be, kind of like, how do these impact how do these kind of change our thought process or perception or you know what what can we learn now that we're you know basically two weeks out from competition um for the d1 college wrestling season right because that's i know that that's a big thing now that um i mean it's always a big thing but just it's here right like it's back and i feel like you know a lot of people you know maybe not as many people like there's a lot of interest in the cadets and the juniors um obviously the senior world championships u23 is kind of i don't know if it's because of where it falls on the calendar um but maybe just not as heightened of interest, like as maybe some of the other age level world championship events. Um, and I find that to be a shame because we sent a really good team out there. Uh, men's freestyle, women's freestyle, both bringing home team trophies, a lot of individual medalists. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that was my quick take on you 23s. What, what did you think overall of the action or, or where do you want to start to the conversation here? 
you know, I, the action was awesome. I um, I think that a lot of times when when you know when you're bringing the casual college wrestling fan into the international stuff, there might be some confusion about some of the rules or anything like that. You know, where where you're going to get those people is the people who are excited to watch their person who's attached to their program, right? So you're going to get your Penn State, you're going to get your Iowa, you're going to get your your you know your main programs. But I mean, those are the ones that come with the big the big fan bases to begin with. I think. What, what really stood out to me about this uh, and and what I hope becomes the philosophy, and I kind of got this off of, I think it was, you had t- uh, tweeted out that uh, Tony Cassiope, he's the first returning world medalist at this thing for the United States, right? And that kind of shocked me because I'm like, we're, we're really good. You know, <laughs> that should have happened more than once. And so then I kind of looked at this, this crowd of uh, people we had and I thought, you know what? I love that people are going back to this event. I love that, you know, David Carr went back. I love that Cassiope went back. I love that, you know, people are taking any chance that they can get to compete uh, and and to represent the United States. You know, I think that was something that I, I talked with Tom and Terry about a couple months ago. And, uh, it, you know, any chance you have to get around that many excellent coaches and get around that many excellent training partners and to set, you know, other goals for yourself and challenges for yourself. I think it's great. And even if you walk away with a couple losses, you know, I, I've never heard a high level wrestler say, um, man, I, I losing has never helped me learn anything. Right. Those guys don't make it very far. You have to lose. You have to have setbacks in order to figure out what you need to change, what, what you need to figure out or, or crisp up uh, on your finishes or your setups. And all of this does help with the, free, the, the folk style season. Right. It just does. The, you're you're not. Obviously, like there's the there's the concern that somebody might get injured. They might get something like that. I'm not suggesting somebody go out there who's already compromised and try to challenge themselves with with international travel and competition. But if these guys are ready to go and they're focused, then I just don't see an upside to gaining that experience. Uh, or excuse me, a downside. I don't see a downside to gaining that experience and challenging yourself. Um, You know, even if you do have those setbacks and then. On the flip side, you've got, you know, your your Cardenas, your Tanner Sloan, Starachi, Hydeleg, guys who are going to be coming back and jumping into the season who had, you know, better better tournaments than some of these guys, right? And, um, and I think that it's – and you know what? I shouldn't say that because Cassiope, I think, you know, when you come back and you're returning to defend your world title and you get bronze, like obviously Starachi also got bronze, but he wasn't defending a world championship. So I think that's where the, the perception comes in as, as how somebody performed, but – um, any of these things are positives, right? You went out, you went overseas, you competed against the rest of the world, and sometimes it's not your day for one reason or another, and you you build off of that. So it's pretty exciting. It's another opportunity to to go compete at another high level event, right? Mm-hmm. It's another chance. Um, you know, and maybe U twenty three just has this perception of being like not as consequential as maybe a juniors or a seniors or a cadets or whatever the case may be. Uh, but like, it's another opportunity for you to go test your process, right? It's it's you got to go out there, you got to adjust to an entirely different country, you got to adjust to the time, you got to take a flight out there, you got to make sure that you're still getting your training in, all while making sure that your your diet's good, your weight's good, and then you know, obviously, you got to go out and compete against high level competition. And I I don't know. Maybe this, maybe, I don't know, maybe the, like better promotion of this idea might help with people gaining more interest in U23s. Like there's some really good wrestlers out there, man. Like it is like U23s, it's essentially a senior level tournament for like the best young senior level guys around the world, right? Like there, there's, there's senior world medalists at some of these weights. There's senior world champs at some of these weights. Um, you know, a lot of times, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of times we look at like cadets and juniors and it's like, yes, like those guys are the future. There's a lot of international countries out there that use U- U23s is kind of like, okay, like this, this is where we're breeding our future world and Olympic champs. This is where we're breeding our future senior world team members at U23s. How do you do against some of the younger senior level guys? Right. Um, and I think that's, you know, those of us in the deep wrestling bubble understand that. Um, mm-hmm. if there's a way to like promote that a little bit more, I think maybe U 23s can pick up a little bit of steam. There's also the idea of like where it falls on the calendar. People are ready for the folk style season, but like the team we sent out there, very, very good. Um, but like 
the competition they faced also, hey, really, really good, right? Like it's the yeah. usual suspects at the top of the heap. Georgia came out and wrestled tremendously. They won the men's freestyle team title. Iran, obviously up there, they finished ahead of the United States for second. Um, you know, you go down the list, Japan's in the top 10, Azerbaijan, Kyrgyzstan, Ukraine, Turkey, like all the same countries we see at the top of the senior level heap are right here at the U23 heap. Um, and just following and watching the action, it's just like a reminder, like, oh yeah, like the, every other country takes this super seriously. Even if those of us back here in the States um, that are more casual fans, maybe don't pay attention as much. Well, and it's interesting. I, you got to remember too, um, you know, we were, when we were texting and kind of setting this up and talking through it, it's like, you know, we here domestically remember juniors as U20, right? Like that's, that's what it was. And for a long time, the what we now know as U23s was called like collegiate worlds or something collegiate like that. or university or yeah yeah university nationals and then university world something like that right and so I think they've just kind of tried to rebrand the event to let to to make it more clear that like this is this is just a separate age group it's just because there there should be distinctions like they're the human body changes from 20 to 23 right you're, you're going to get a different level of athlete you're going to get a different level of strength and everything there um you know, same with cadets to juniors, right? Like there's reasons we have these separated. So uh, I think that, you know, and another thing that United States has done well, at least this year, I, I didn't mind the, like if you made the senior level finals or whatever and, and you didn't make it, like you could kind of pick your spot. Like we'll talk about David Carr later. He got a chance to, to jump in here. I think Yanni did the same, uh, not Yanni, um, Vito. Vito did the same um, where he could jump in and, and take that spot. And I think what that did, or at least the way I'm, I'm, you know, making sense of it in my head is it, it made it more prestigious for these guys to, you know, Hey, you didn't make the world, the senior team, but here's, here's your chance, right? Do you want to take this opportunity? That's, that's rightfully yours and run with it and try to still go compete and win a medal. And, and I think that in general, um, team USA has done a really good job with kind of building that prestige in there and, and making it a little bit more of a, uh, I don't want to say a cool thing to get after, but that's what I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, and it, you know, and, and it's an incentive to try for the senior level stuff, right? Like try your best at the highest level. And if you do well enough there, we will just reward you. Right. Like, cause I, you mentioned David mm -hmm. Carr, like there were a lot of Iowa fans who were kind of upset after Patrick Kennedy ripped through the U 23 national tournament. And they're like, well, he doesn't get a chance to go compete for a world title because David Carr is third on the senior ladder. And like, those mm -hmm. are USA wrestling's rules. Like I was genuinely curious, like from an Iowa versus Iowa state standpoint, like, heck yeah, I wanted to see David Carr versus Patrick Kennedy, but like mm -hmm. USA wrestling's rules again, like David Carr chased the senior level stuff. So his reward for succeeding enough is to, you know, you automatically can raise your hand for the U23 world team spot. Um, you know, I, I I like it. I see both sides. I understand it. But I'm generally of the belief that, like, yeah, if we want to continue to beef up the senior level stuff, which is USA Wrestling's ultimate goal, um, there's got to be an incentive for some of these younger superstars to take a stab at it, or you know, sooner rather than later, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, it, it just was great to see people going back uh, you know, after winning it before or placing before, I mean, it's the more challenges you have and the more people challenge themselves, the better it's going to translate to the the next side of things. So thousand percent. I think today's conversation probably like maybe a small PSA late into the show. Um, a lot of men's freestyle stuff because that's, you know, we're kind of using this as another way to preview the collegiate season. Um, but we will talk on some women's freestyle stuff, probably closer to the end of the show because I'm at Elor. You just can't ignore what she's been able to do this spring and summer. Mm -hmm. Um, but let's start here. The U 23s, uh, men's freestyle team USA took third overall, um, seven wrestlers out of the 10 that went finished fifth or better. Five of them ultimately brought home medals, no individual chance, but we had three guys in the finals. Um, two guys finished third. Um, you mentioned Tony Cassiope, just USA wrestling second ever or no first ever two time U 23 were world medalists. Um, the other bronze medalist Carter Storacci, and then three guys in the finals, Trent Heidley, uh, Jacob Cardenas, and then Tanner Sloan. Um, and two of those guys were like, um, real close. <laughs> to yeah, it. It right. Like what? Heidley, Heidley, I think lost three, three in the final. Um, yeah. You know, Tanner Sloan nearly had two at the gun, ended up losing five to three to Iran. Um, 
you know, I think Cardenas got got rolled a little bit in his finals match, but he looked really dominant on his way to the finals to secure mm-hmm. his medal. A um, lot of really good performances. All of these guys obviously are coming back for the college season. Um, you know, can't forget guys like Yaya and, and Aaron Nageo. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He wrestles for Minnesota, the 61 kilo. Um, He's going to be good too. Yeah. So uh, Minnesota quietly has a lot of really tough lightweights. Um, yeah. But what was like, when looking at U23 specifically, and, and as the conversation goes, we're going to kind of weave in some U20 thoughts as well. What was kind of the large takeaway? You kind of alluded to, you know, 197 depth um, when it comes to the collegiate season. But what what was kind of the most interesting thing that stuck out to you in terms of U23 stuff? In terms of U23s, I mean, the big thing for me, and, you know, there's a couple weights where this happened, um, but I'm going to go to 197. I, I just – you know, you've got Tanner Sloan and, and, you know, it's going to be U23s, but it's going to be kind of a bigger international thing too here. Right. But just for this year, you've got Tanner Sloan. Uh, he's currently ranked 12th. Again, he took second. Uh, Jacob Cardenas is, uh, you know, uh, took silver as well. He's ranked 19th. Uh, then, you know, just competing at senior worlds uh, a couple months ago was Braxton Amos and Greco. Uh, he's ranked 20th. Uh, you know, and then those, that's before you even get to the U20 guys, right? Rocky Elam wins gold in 2021. Um, he's currently ranked fourth. Uh, Jackson Smith from Maryland, uh, placed fifth at U20s this year. He's currently ranked 28th. So, I mean, just, you've got a ton of depth and, and international experience at, at the young level here from, you know, some, some really, really high level guys who are going to continue to get better, uh, I see any of these guys. I mean, 197 is kind of a crazy weight. Where did I put it? There it is. Because you've got, you know, you've got your usual suspects returning. You've got your your defending national champion and, and national finalist and Jacob Warner. You've got those guys, uh, you know, Younger Bastida. We talked about Rocky Elam, Bernie Truax bumping up, you know, another national finalist and Nino Bonacorsi. But, like, I, I just find it hard to believe that these guys that we just watched, you know, take second in the world and wrestle in the world championships for Greco are, you know, that there's 18 guys better than them. Right. <laughs> Which so, is kind of awesome. Right. Like, I feel like I, I don't, I don't know about you, but like, I know I've talked with a lot of people in recent years, just like the evolution of heavyweights and just, mm-hmm. you know, like the different sizes, the different styles, but like, they're all really, really good. Like, I think we're starting to see that maybe trickle down to 197 a little bit just because of the 92, 97 international weight thing. Um, and you're right. Like I, you know, I, you listed, you know, a handful of others, right? Like Jacob Warner is a guy that's got age level world championship experience, a uh, younger mm-hmm. Bastida literally from Cuba. Um, mm-hmm. and he's got a lot of good international wins at the U23 level. Gavin Hoffman's a guy that's, you know, he's done really well internationally. Um, Cam Caffey's a guy that I believe made the junior Greco team not too long ago. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I believe even Max Dean, um, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he was on an age level team. Um, this had to have been a few years ago, but yeah, yeah. Like there's a lot of international experience here and it's just funny to be like, yeah, dude, Tanner Sloan, South Dakota state, they have a stud, um, you know, junior worlds or not juniors, U23 world silver medalist, really big effing deal was like a couple of seconds away from a world title. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, they have the rankings project him to end in the blood round. Like, it's just, it's bonkers how deep that weight is. Yeah. You know, and, and I think with, you know, some of that obviously has, especially in the preseason rankings has to do with how you finished last year, right? It didn't finish last year all that strongly, but you know, I know just, uh, I've had the, the good fortune of talking a lot with um, Damian Hahn and, and, you know, I know that he's finally healthy. I mean, Sloan was a huge commit coming in and he he dealt with some injury issues. He was actually like really that. quiet commit coming in. He's was from he was a two sport athlete from Alburnett, um, which is okay. like a super tiny town in Iowa. And like he's morphed into this superstar because he's just been wrestling the last four years. Um yeah. but like Cody Caldwell told me he was like, dude, like that's he's like He's like, this is, this is a diamond in the rough. Like this is a hidden gem. Like, I'm not sure that Willie even had him ranked on his big board when he. Interesting. So my mistake, I just remember. So where, where I'm, cause I don't, I don't really look at the, the, the high school rankings too much where I got that impression was he had an impact right away. Right. Yes. He was, yes. he, he was very good. Very, like very quickly. Um, and so I just, you know, my, my dumb brain went, he must've been a really big recruit, <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, like the guy's been constantly there, right? He was a Big Twelve finalist last year, and then you know, kind of limped through NCAA's, and it's it's tough. That's why they make it the toughest tournament in uh, you know 
domestically here. But um, the other thing to, to emphasize there too is, and you know, we're going to have that for another couple of years with the COVID year. We got, I mean, Max Dean should be gone. Jacob Warner should be gone. There's a lot of guys who are here that wouldn't be here still uh, if, if that weren't the case, which makes for some great wrestling um, for sure. But it's going to be, it's just, this is one of those crazy weights where you've got these guys who are all having this world level success and are going to be thrown right into the college season. And, and we'll see if they get to ride that momentum and, and what it does for them. Absolutely. Yeah. A um, couple of thoughts I had from U23s as I'm sifting through my notes here. Um, so U23s, like as an actual like branded UWW World Championship tournament has, from my knowledge, and I got this from USA Wrestling, has only really existed for like six years. Um, mm-hmm. They had the 17, 18, 19, nothing during the COVID year, but then 2021 and now the 2022. Um, if we go back the 17, 18, 19, and 2021 U23 World Championships. It's a lot of numbers. So the last four U23 World Championships, Team USA has had nine total medalists um, in addition to five others that have taken fifth. So that's 14 total top five guys at U23s. Um, 11 of those wrestlers earned All-American status at the NCAA Championships. Two others finished in the blood round. I think the odd Mm -hmm. man out... um, if I remember, I probably wrote it down, McBride, who was, uh, he took fifth at the 2019 U23 Worlds. I don't know that he ever actually qualified for the NCAA Championships. He wrestled for Buffalo. Um, yeah, Muhammad McBride. His triceps look like the heads of babies. Just yeah, giant. he just like, he broke necks with his snapdowns. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is like, I maybe a little bit more advantageous, I guess, internationally, because clearly he did pretty well. Um, yeah. So there's clearly some translatable success here um, in terms of, performing well at U23s, and this is a similar trend that we're going to talk about when we get to U20s, and performing really well at the NCAA level. My question to you, of the guys on the U23 team who maybe haven't, um, you know, earned their All-American status yet, and I'd have to go through the list and look to see who hasn't, who do you think has the best chance to, like, either earn all become an All-American this upcoming season or could have just, like, a breakout season? Like, I feel like we already all know these names, but, like, who do you think that did well at U23s is going to maybe use it as a launching point for their NCAA season? So, I mean, Tanner Sloan and Jacob Cardenas, I already kind of talked about a bit. Um, both of those guys are just monsters, right? Uh, Cardenas last year had an, an excellent, excellent season. Um, let me take a look at something real quick. I feel like he might have finished in the blood round at 97. Let me see real fast. Um, thankfully, I know I was, Sloan has. Yeah, Sloan Sloan has. He didn't do well last year. I think he was one and two. But um, point being, I know Cardenas was pretty close. I feel like he was pretty close. My apologies, but I I mean those are two guys who are right away like ready to go. Um, jump in and and, and have a lot of success. I really feel strongly. Um about Minnesota's guy here. And I just did a big write up on him to see if I can find this real fast. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He was wrestling for bronze. He's, he's a guy who has kind of quietly been there and, and been, you know, had a little bit of success and red shirt years and everything that he's been doing. Uh, But the fact that he made this team, I mean, this is a really hard team to make, right? We've already talked about, you know, um, you know, what, what it means just to be here in the first place. But but he's a guy that I really think is going to have a big year uh, for Minnesota and is going to be able to jump right into the lineup and have an impact. Um, here it is. So he was 8-3 and three while competing in his redshirt season. Uh, he beat Cody Russell of App State. Um, good win. He beat, he beat Cullen Schriever. Uh, excuse me, my apologies. He took second place to Rayvon Foley at the Southern Scuffle, but Cullen Schriever took fourth in that same tournament, right? And I think people have some pretty big – expectations for what he's going to be able to do uh, for Iowa. So my point is like, this guy's already been on the same stage with some of these guys that we already have big expectations for. And don't be surprised if he's ready right away, you know? So that's, that's one of the guys that I think is, is going to have a big impact. I know he didn't, you know, I got wrestled for bronze, didn't come away with it, but he's a guy that, uh, that people should be aware of for sure. Absolutely. A um, couple other things I wanted to touch on when it comes to U23s. Um, 
just some like weird, like I like fun, weird stats sometimes. And I mentioned this before we hit record, but like Yaya Thomas from Northwestern, that's a guy that's been on multiple different age level world teams, mm-hmm. um, finished fifth. And he was outscored in his four matches, eight to nine, like just really weird stuff there. Um, first period, he actually outscored his opponent seven to one. In the second period, he got outscored eight to one. Um, so just like weird stuff. Um, Trent Heidley in route to second, he was down 6-0 in his first match. Um, mm-hmm. Then he won 15 to six. So 15 unanswered. And then he continued to outscore like his next three opponents by a combined 23 to one. Um, so like after being down six Oh, in the first period, he outscored his opponents. What's the quick math there? 38 to seven or 38 to one to make the world finals, which is kind of cool. Right. I really like the way his underhook translates to international styles. Cause there's not that like international wrestlers aren't used to it because like a lot of those guys' offense comes out of underhooks and, and, you know, interesting ties and stuff like that. But just like the way he just kind of like brutally forces it in there um just always super impressive like he's a guy to watch as like you know hey is he the future at 86 like he could be solely because of his style right he's got to fine tune a couple of small things here and there but um you know it was awesome to see him have continue to have international success right he's had success at the age levels well and for sure and and, you know uh uh, i don't forget because i'm from ann arbor but he beat miles amin in the cliff king or the the you know, RTC cup that they had, right. When uh, the Wolfpack wrestling club and, and Cliff Keen wrestling club met, uh, met up, um, you know, and that was a big, that was one of the first times in a while I had seen um, Hydley wrestling, you know, at that senior level with, with such a credentialed guy, um, you know, so that was, that was pretty impressive. I mean, the guy's got the skill set to be there. You're totally right about the underhook. He's, he's so violent with the way he throws it in there. And and I think the other thing that's interesting is he's got a variety of attacks from that same position. He's so ready and comfortable to be there. Um, You know what? He's maybe a guy, to, a better answer for your question. And it's not surprising to, to have anybody say, Hey, Trent Hydley's great, but I, I don't have any reason to think that he's just going to concede the NCAA title this year to Aaron Brooks. I don't think that like you don't think that that's what he's been working on this entire offseason and preparing for is to get out another chance at beating Aaron Brooks. Like he's going to be ready. He's yeah. Gonna be super. Ready. Yeah. So, well, and the other thing yeah. that like intrigues me about Hydley's future is like potentially the future of 86 or like, you know, 184. I think there's a pretty defined like championship tier. And then there's, you know, kind of whoever falls in behind, you mm-hmm. know, Hydley Brooks, Keck Eisen. Um, I might be forgetting somebody in that championship tier. Um, but like his like Heidley's offense allows him to like, you know, to we're on a wrestling podcast. So forgive me, but like he can go get a bucket, right? Like he can just he can just yeah. force himself into going to score. Like I need to, I can go get two. like and he's just mm-hmm. against everybody. But Aaron Brooks, apparently, like he has the capability to do that. And we saw that on display, um, you know, not just in that first match where he rallied from down six. Oh, but just like all the way through. Um, you know, even his finals match, I know he lost three, three, but like, he's, you know, he has the ability to create action, create, um, some offense there, you know, not quite out of nothing, but like he, he knows how to get to his setups quickly enough to make some things happen. It's funny. I was watching that match today and, uh, I was just watching and I'm like, man, they just found the Japanese dude who's built exactly like Trent Heidley. (laughs) (laughs) That's, he just found Japanese Trent and like, they're just running into each other like bulls and it was like you know the the one takedown of the match was ended up being the deciding factor and then the other guy got to run for you know a minute and a half but yeah it was wild and and he's he's a guy who's who's going to be really really ready to go this year um and you know it's going to take that loss in the finals and really use it so absolutely um transitioning to something else here and this is where we can kind of blend the the u23s and the u20s a little bit um a lot of superstar guys or guys that we think are superstars um, struggled, right? Um, Vito, a guy that's consistently in contention for the senior world team, did not place. Uh, Cole Matthews, a guy that we think is, you know, in that top tier when it, we're looking at 141 this year, did not place. David Carr, past junior world champ, uh, cadet world bronze, NCAA champ, did not place. U20s, Um you know, Alex Facundo, a guy that we all think very, very highly of, did not place. Nick Buzakis, um, believe he ended up fifth. Um, yeah. You know, or at least he he did get pulled into the repishage, but like that's an, that's another guy, you know, did not place. Nick Feldman took fifth. Um, just like 
reminders, at least for me, like whenever I see things like that happen, and I don't know about you, um, but it kind of plays on the idea that like we opened the show with, like your thought that like it's never a bad thing. There are no downsides to going and competing at these age level world championship events, or at least, you know, going to the trials events to put yourself in contention, to put yourself on the team. Um, it's just like a reminder that like when these superstar guys go to these events and they struggle, it's like, oh, yeah, this shit's hard. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's, you know, like it's an, it's, it's, you know, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, like U 23s, especially like kind of a proving ground for a lot of other international countries, even if the U S doesn't pay it as close of of attention. Um, But, you know, then like the junior world championships with like Facundo, like, you know, you go to these events and like, you know, the idea of like testing your process and testing your, you know, it's another opportunity to compete. Um, You know, you screw up once, like, sometimes that opportunity is gone, which is like a really tough lesson to learn, right? Because in the US, you go to tournaments and if you screw up, you have the opportunity to wrestle back. Um, Not always the case in these international events. And so it's just kind of, I don't know, it's like, it's funny, but it's also interesting and intriguing when it's like, you know, yeah, like David Carr, like went one and one, like an up and down, you know, morning, I guess in Spain, he ended up wrestling Saturday. and that was it. Like that's that's all that's all the opportunity he got because the guy that beat him did not get to the finals, and those are the international rules. And it's just it's a bummer because you feel bad for them. Um, but yeah, just like also just just a reminder that these are world championship level events, and you know sometimes like sometimes one mistake that could even be out of your control for whatever reason, um, you know, like sometimes one and one is what happens, right? Well, and with Facundo, I wanted to point out, I know for him, um, he was wrestling the defending champ. I don't know if it was specifically from this age group or not. His draw was brutal because if he would have gotten through that, like it was not an, like, I mean, clearly he didn't get pulled into the rep shot. Like it was not an easy path, no matter what. Right. Right. You know, and so there's there's that aspect. It's not like he just lost to some dude who like happened to be the guy from his country that that they sent out there. And I'm like, this guy's credentialed already at this level. And, and you know, again, these are the world championships. They're supposed to be tough. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and that was a close match, too. I want to say it was like six, six or it was it was, you know, it wasn't like he got blown out either. Right. Uh, and then there's the 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 idea, right. That, that, you know, used to happen to Zane Rutherford and famously to Brent Metcalf all the time where you just exhaust these dudes. So then they have to go wrestle their next match and they're just, they're going to get beat because they right. already had to you know go through hell just to get to the next one. So, you know, it's, it's no excuses, right. I'm sure, you know, he's not sitting there telling his friends that, you know, what happened to him in the same manner that we're discussing it. But um, the reality is too, that, and I try to remind myself like, and and stop me if I'm wrong, Cody, but I know that I've never had the issue. I don't know if you have where I've been in a wrestling room and thought, man, it's just too easy for me. I wish I had better competition, but I think it's safe to say for some of these guys, they're just beating up most of the people in their room. And so win or lose at these international events, it's good to get out there and get challenged, right? It's good to get out there and get pushed to the point where you're like, okay, you know, reality check let me get you know kicked in the teeth here real fast and remember what i need to do to make these improvements because these guys aren't resting on their laurels right like they're ready to get better and uh you know sometimes losing i mean you know you were telling me yesterday to watch the um andonian gomez match uh the first one from ncaa so i watched it bonkers that was insane you know and so then i'm like oh well then they wrestled for third i'm gonna of course rewatch this one too and it was also bonkers and i'm sitting there thinking to myself like it's fun for me to watch but i like to think it's fun for these guys to wrestle too right where you're getting in these crazy scrambles and you're trying to body lock someone to their back and somehow they're standing on their head and flipping you over and now it's just this insane situation but but getting back to you know u20s and some of the the disappointing you know situations that happen sometimes i think it's really important for us to remember like sometimes these guys want to be challenged and want to put themselves in these situations right you can leave a a disappointing tournament and feel good about it because you know you're going to be a better as a result success looks different for everybody right um Mm -hmm. you know and and i'm not going to claim to go into the mind of a nick buzakis for example but like 
I'm probably sh- I'm sure it probably felt pretty good for him to, you know, he had to be Jesse Mendez to get on the team. Like they're coming into the same recruiting class. They're probably really good buddies. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but the fact that he would like, that's the guy he had to beat to make the team. Like, you know, obviously this is a guy that's got previous international experience and he wants to win a junior world medal. Um, you know, and he like funny stat about him specifically, um, you know, he went two and two at U twenties and like he had two pins and he lost two matches where like in both matches, like the combined score was like 25 points or something like that. Like he, <laughs> like he lost two barn burners. Um, so like, we know he's right there. And like, maybe that's another example of like, Hey, like his offense might translate pretty well to the college level. If it's going to work on a lot of these high level U 20 guys, because both mm-hmm. the guys he lost to ended up winning medals. Right. And he still put up 10 points in both matches. Um, you know, but yeah, like it's, you know, I, and this is where like, it's fun to hear from the athletes like, Hey, like it's a bummer. You didn't win a medal, but like, my, that's why like my first question to these guys more often than not is like, what'd you learn today? Like, what, like, mm-hmm. what did you take away from this? Like, how do you feel about that? You know, because like, obviously they're bummed that they didn't win a medal or they didn't win a gold medal or whatever the case may be. But it's like a lot of times there's a lot more to take away from certain specific performances, you know, like if they know it's like a little thing that would have cleaned up this match and then boom, they're in the semis, or if it's a little thing that would have cleaned up this position and then boom, they get the tech instead of having to hang on to win. Um, it just, it's, it's always going to vary, um, by the kid, which is one of the really fun parts of the sport. Right. Well, and and think about it this way, right. You got Nick Feldman, uh, who wrestled U twenties, uh, heavyweight, you know, he's, he's going to be going to Ohio state. I believe he's enormous. Um, he looks small. Like, I'll just say it. I was going to say, that's what like, he doesn't run into nine foot tall Iranian dudes in wherever the hell he's from Ohio. You know, like he's just, you don't get that feel. You don't get to, to, to have that, that experience without going to something like this. Right. Um, my apologies if there's any nine foot tall Iranians in Ohio saying like, (laughs) Hey, like, you know, but, um, I just went on a limb and assumed there weren't many. Um, but, you know, I mean, those are the sort of things that, especially at the U-20 level, like those guys need to get pushed more. Those guys revel, revel, that's not the word I'm looking for, but relish this experience, right? Um, well, and especially you know, for so- a guy like Feldman, who basically, you know, he's going to be a true freshman this year. He yeah. blitzed every, in, you know, domestic guy that he wrestled at his age all year long because he was just that dude in high school wrestling this year. And so, yeah. you know, like we joke a little bit, like, dude, he looked tiny, like literally height wise, he was probably a foot shorter than everybody at the, you know, U twenties. Um, but like, that's something like that's now he's got that feel, right? So like, mm-hmm. think of the tall heavyweights that he's going to come up against in the big 10 in, you know, at, at an NCAA level, you know, I, Ohio state still has Orndorff this year. So we may not see Feldman right away, but you know, what's he going to work on over the next year while he red shirts? How to attack mm-hmm. the long guys, how to attack mm-hmm. the tall guys. What are things that I can work on to get ready for that? Right. Orndorff's not a short guy either. So he's going to have a guy there in the room to help him out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. Like that is, I agree with you. Like there's, it's more like, obviously he wants to get tested, but like maybe those are big picture lessons that he, I took away. Like those are obviously something that came into our heads. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and you wonder how many other of these guys came away with similar lessons. Right. Well, I, I hope Ben Keeter did. You know, because he's another big guy who just went out there. I mean, that guy had to, you know, he traveled the world looking for tougher competition and he still beat everybody, you know? And now he's out here just stiff arming like 5'8, 130 pound kids to the ground and scoring six touchdowns on seven carries. He's. He's a freak. Dude, he's 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 a, we've had a lot of really fun athletes come through the state of Iowa in recent years. He is like he's just, there's there's just like three or four kids that you put on like a totally different tier, like Tristan Wirfs, Caden Proctor, Austin mm-hmm. Blythe, Tyler Linderbaum, and then Ben Keeter. Like it's just like he's just built different. Like I know that mm-hmm. that's like the cliche thing to say, but like, yeah, like he literally came back from Junior Worlds after winning winning junior worlds and mm-hmm. played in a scrimmage like two days after he got back. Like it was, yeah. it, he's, he's different. He's different. It must be nice. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm bald. I, I, you know, I got hairy arms. Like I'm just, he's built different than, than, than I am for sure. Absolutely. Um, junior <laughs> worlds team USA men's freestyle team um, to get back a little bit on track here. Right. They took second. <laughs> Um, lost to Iran. Iran brought one hell of a squad, uh, but they finished with two champs. Team USA did uh, had two other finalists. Those were the only medalists. So all the medalists got to the finals, but they did have three guys also take fifth. Um, 
Similar thing that I that we that I asked you about when it came to U23s. Here's here's some fun stats. At the last three junior world championships for Team USA, um, 16 total medalists in men's freestyle. Eight of them became NCAA All-Americans, and three of them won titles. Keegan O'Toole, David Carr, Makai Lewis. That was, that was the year after their junior world's performance. My question to you is eight of the 10 guys on the junior world team roster for Team USA are going to either be true freshmen or redshirt freshmen this upcoming NCAA season. Similar thing. Who do you think is going to break out and kind of be one of the guys at their weight, whatever weighted it might be this upcoming college season? Ben Keeter. No, I'm kidding. Obviously. <laughs> um, it's tough. It's tough. I, I mean, none, none of these guys are going to do what, what those guys did. Right. Uh, I just, no offense to them. I just think that um, it is less likely. I think in a lot of the cases with those guys too, they had already competed in a college season before wrestling here. Not necessarily, I think with uh, with with Lewis, but you know, O'Toole what? had competed in college already. And yeah, and O'Toole competed Clark. through the COVID year, and then I know I believe David and Makai both they went through their redshirt seasons. That's right. That's and right. Then they did the junior world thing. Um. It'll be interesting. I think the other thing that hurts this this exercise is just that, you know, again, the COVID year happened, right? So, like, let's say I was going to throw Bazakis out there, right? Well, RBY is still there. Uh, Dayton Fix is still there. You know, you've got all these guys who are still hanging around that normally wouldn't be hanging around. And there's um, also in his own room, I, I think Ohio State released their Russell-offs. Mendez could potentially be the guy at 33 this year for them right out of the gate. Right, exactly. You know, so you've got just – other other hurdles in the way. Um, I really like Jackson Smith. I, I think despite, you know, having a, a tough year, I think that Facundo is going to, um, or having a tough U23, uh, U20, sorry. Um, I, I think he's the guy who's going to have the most immediate impact. I do think that he's he's ready for Big Ten competition right away. Uh, you know, he's he's in a room that, obviously has just such a strong track record of, of getting guys to the level they need to be pretty good coaches um, in that room. Penn State. Yeah. Room. You know, he, he's going to have, uh, I think it was Van Ness, what at 157, who's who's supposed to be really good as well. Uh, and then obviously above him, you've got Starachi, you've got Brooks. I mean, he's, he's going to have enough in there to be ready to perform. I think yeah. despite the, the Owen one, he's the answer for me. Yeah. Well, and then you look at 65, like that's, you know, a branch off of that tree. Um, <laughs> right. One of, one of the deepest weights in the country this year. Right. I think that's pretty safe to say. That's the other problem is that, you know, what's in Facundo's way is the other three guys or two of those three guys that we had just mentioned, right. O'Toole and Carr at 65. Uh, Lewis is obviously up, uh, but that's where Lewis had won his NCAA title. Right. So, um, you know, that's, that's such a deep weight too. I mean, like that's, any other sort of year or situation, I think these guys, yeah, might be able to compete for titles. Not right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, like, you know, I, Facundo could do the whole Penn State thing where, you know, he he maybe takes a lump or two during the season, you know, gets mm -hmm. to the Big Ten finals, and then, you know, Kale and Casey wave their magic wands and he figures it out, you know, this year in, in Tulsa at the NCAA championships, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's probably hard to see right now because you look at who's at 65, right? Keegan O'Toole. NCAA champ, Shane Griffith, past NCAA champ, David Carr, past NCAA champ. Then you got Cam Mean, Dean Hamidi, Carson Karchla, Peyton Hall. Um, you know, you can throw OG in there. You can throw Patrick Kennedy in there. Wyatt Sheets has been an All-American. Um, you know, there's other guys like, you know, Olegnik, Yant, Wilson, a lot of really good guys that are also at that weight. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how he stacks up against them. And especially like, you know, we know the Big Ten's tough, but like Amin, Hamidi, Karchla, Kennedy, Bubba Wilson, like just all over the place. Um, yeah. Which is, yeah, that's just, it's, it's an interesting, like it's a subplot of a weight to be like, you know, hey, like look at how deep 97 is, but like 65 might be equally as deep, if not deeper at the top, right? Well, and we're talking about U23s earlier too, and we talked about Patrick Kennedy, who technically won the trials uh, in dominant fashion. He's going to be there as well. And then a guy who's not even ranked, who's in the Big Ten, 
Um, Purdue has got a guy uh, at 165, Stoney Buell, who was a huge recruit, um, you know, won four state championships in Michigan and, and you know, is, is pretty outstanding as well. So, I mean, there's there's just going to be a lot of depth at 165 in general, but, but you know, in the Big Ten as well for him to – and, you know, depth is good, right? Depth is what you want. That's what these guys are, are looking for. I mean, every week they should have the the potential opportunity to go upset somebody big, and that's that's kind of why they wrestle there in the first place. I'm going to go out on a limb, and maybe maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment here, but you know who was really super impressive at U20s? Mitch Messenbrink, yeah, who's going oh, yeah. to Cal Baptist, like he's on the roster. Yes. I double checked because I wasn't hundred percent convinced when they when Iowa State flipped Gaetan. Um, mm-hmm. But Mitchell Messenbrink, silver medal at seventy kilos. So you got to mm-hmm. think he's probably going to wrestle one fifty seven, right? One fifty seven mm-hmm. is one of those weights when you look at it nationally. Like you've got there's hammers there, right? There's returning all Americans. You got guys like Austin O'Connor who has been to the top. Um, Brayden Lee is going to be back. Will Luan figured it out last year. Ja'Cory Teamer, Peyton Robb, Bryce Andonian, like a lot of really good wrestlers there. And my thought, I think, on Messenbrink is like you, you're wrestling at Cal Baptist. So you don't mm-hmm. have to go through the gauntlet of the Big Ten. You don't have to go through the gauntlet of the Big 12. You don't have to go through the gauntlet that is becoming the ACC. And just like the idea of like, you know, and I'm thinking of like a move to the West Coast, like what did that do for Luca Wick or no Evan Wick, excuse me. You're right, Evan Luke Wick. Um, yeah. yeah, Evan Wick. Like he, like, and he was talking up Cal. Like he was the perfect recruiting hype man for Cal Poly at the NCAA championships because he's like, we didn't have a workout before 9 a.m. all season. We were allowed to go at our pace, and like this is a guy that we knew was good, but like I would argue that we saw the best version of him last March. So just mm-hmm. that idea that like, look, the regular season's not going to kill you as much. Division one wrestling is already hard. I don't know if he's going to be, Messenbrink's going to be the guy to go immediately as a true freshman. Um, I would argue that he's probably good enough to go as a true freshman. And probably, yeah. (laughs) At a weight like 157, where there's a lot, there's there's a fair amount of depth, um, but not enough to be like maybe super intimidating, so to speak. No disrespect to everybody else who's wrestling 157 this year. That could be a guy that shows up in March fully healthy, no injury issues with his high motor. And once he figures out the whole seven minute folk style match thing, like that could be a guy that I think is a true freshman could maybe finish somewhere between fifth, sixth, seventh. Right. I don't know. That's, those are my thoughts. No, he 100%. I mean, uh, real quick before I forget, I know the wick family is originally from California. So then when Luke went there and yeah, I don't think that, uh, just by the, the the way that it was worded a minute ago, it seems like the the reader Bono run you know jog a hundred miles method was not kind of vibing with the Wick method. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, you know, to each his own. But um, the the I, yeah, and that's the only thing that that kind of kept me from from throwing Mess and Brink out because obviously you know he plays second in the world and that's that's kind of a big deal. Um, is I don't think he's going to start this year. I think they're going to just kind of redshirt him and get him get him going there, and and um, at least that's that's what I have kind of the tea leaves have said, um, you know, and by virtue of the fact that he's just not even ranked too. I mean, like that kind of backs up everything that I've heard. You know, send I think, all your complaints to Earl Smith. We know how this goes. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I think also too there is something to be said. I mean, like you know, we've we've mentioned it before, but there's a lot of guys, and it's going to be the same way next year, and for the I think the year or two after that. But um, if you can give a guy a chance to get used to college and get used to to you know wrestling in a room and and you know building some some good skills there, and you let a couple of these other guys graduate, you know, that are already pretty high up there and pretty pretty solid. Your Jarrett Jack Hughes, your Garrett Modal, your um, you know, Cody Bond. I mean, like, you know, even like in the Pac-12, you've got Ja'Cory Teamer, um, you've got uh Luke Wick, you've got Isaiah Crosby. Those guys, you know, based on their eligibility, could all be back, but there's at least still some some tough competition there. Let's let's get this kid a little bit more um tenure and, and work and, and training under his belt before we just throw him out there. Maybe yeah. that's enough. No, and that's totally fair. I think that's what makes this U20 team so intriguing from an NCAA standpoint is is the, you know, you combine with these guys, like very clear talent um, mm-hmm. with the new redshirt rules this year, right? Like redshirts, true freshmen are allowed five dates in order to maintain the redshirt. And I know that there's a handful of coaches um, 
you know, that's the gist of the rule. I know that there's some other particulars there that, that, um, you know, coaches and wrestlers have to pay attention to, but like, generally speaking, um, you get five dates. What are the odds that, you know, a second semester duel that, you know, they've either, they know they won or they know they've lost, um, again, no disrespect, but like, let's, you know, Hey, like, let's, let's throw them out there when they wrestle Arizona state and see how he does yeah. against Jacory teamer. And maybe, you know, if you get enough of those dates and the coaches feel good about the development of the kid, maybe, maybe you go right. Like maybe you send them out there. Maybe, you know, he could be that, you know, and we could see that with Messenbrink. We could see that with Berge. We could see that with um, Feldman. Maybe I don't think they're going to ultimately, you know, start Feldman over Orndorf barring something significant happening, but, you know, throw him out there for a match and see how he does against a, you know, a competent big 10 heavyweight. And then you can, at the very least for it, maybe in the case of Feldman, take that back to the room and, and figure some things out and enhance your training a little bit. Same thing with a guy like Jor Volk from Wyoming. Like that's a guy who yeah. I think could, you know, maybe he could go right away. Um, one is normally pretty stacked, um, assuming he stays, you know, stays small, but, um, and especially, you know, 33 in the big 12 is going to be pretty gnarly, but, um, you know, there might be a door open there for him to potentially go score some pretty major points for Wyoming this year. I don't know if it's the difference between, you know, winning and not winning a team trophy for them, but you know, is it the difference between putting Wyoming in the top 20 and what does that do for their recruiting? Right? Like that's something else maybe to keep in mind as, as some of these guys enter their true freshman year, you know, we could see them in a duel occasionally and maybe enough to, you know, have that idea percolate a little bit more, right? Absolutely. You know, I think it's going to be really cool. I think even matchup wise, it might be interesting to see how some of these guys are used. Right. And like, you know, if you're Ohio state and it gets to the last match against Michigan and it's, you know, win or lose, you know, with the match wins the duel, which I think is very possible just based on the matchups and everything. Um, do you want to send Tate Orndorff out there again to get pinned? Like, it, or are you going to maybe take a chance with a guy whose body size, like, and, and style or whatever might match up a little bit better with, with Mason Paris, you know? Um, and I think that's fair to say with Feldman. I mean, that guy's a man child, you know, it's basically the same sort of recruit that, that Paris was coming out. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what, uh, what teams do. And yeah, I think, you know, throwing a mess and brink out against teamer or against some of those other guys in the pack 12 that have some, some solid rankings would be fun. Yeah. We know they're going to go to open tournaments and we know that, you know, they're going to do that part of the red shirt year, but you know, if coaches structured correctly, you know, they could have two, three, maybe even four of their dates available in the second half. And from that point, it's like, all right, like, let's, let's see what they got. Right. Like maybe Jorvo mm -hmm. ends up being the guy and maybe he, you know, just kind of rides this wave. Like he wrestled tremendous at, you know, the U 20 world team trials. I'm not sure that I saw him winning a world title. Like maybe, like maybe Jor Volk should have been my pick here because I was just so impressed with the variety of ways he won matches at the world championships, right? Mm -hmm. Like he scored late. Um, he also found ways to score in bunches. Um, in the finals, he used like just, just enough really good defense for the clock to hit all zeros. Um, you know, the thing that stuck out against Messenbrink was, you know, not only did he blow his first two guys out of the water, but his next two guys, like he had to rally to win, you know, and there's this, I, maybe I put a little too much emphasis on being able to outscore your guys in the second period, but um, you know, that was really impressive. Like clearly the gas tank is there. Can the technique match up? And then maybe he could be the guy this year. I don't know. Um, you know, same thing with Bergie. Like he, um, you know, I, he had to rally to win one of his matches and, you know, you look at South Dakota state, Tanner Sloan, Bennett Bergie, oh, yeah. they've got a couple of other small pieces here and there. Like, like Cade DeVos, I know is he's another Iowa guy, but he's a guy that's consistently there at 174. Like that could be a mean little stretch there for the Jacks at 74, 84, 97. If, if they decide that Bennett Bergie is, is good enough and ready to go, which maybe he is, I don't know, junior world, junior world silver, right? I mean, he's he's legit. I mean, they they were super pumped to get him in there. Um, I don't know if they're going to start him this year or they're going to kind of see how things go. But you know, again, just those red shirt rules are going to make it really interesting to see how how this all plays out. And and I mean, it's not unheard of to think whatsoever that you know a guy can get into his freshman year, get settled in, and you know be a completely different wrestler in February than he is in November. You know, so yeah, it'll be fun to see. 100%. Um, couple of final thoughts I think I had between both U23 and U20. Um, shout out to Cornell, South Coast State, and, and the University of Iowa. Um, multiple guys, multiple medalists on those teams. I know Iowa, it's, it's Cassiope and Keeter, who's still a recruit, but South Coast State, we mentioned Berge and Sloan, and then Cornell, they had Vito, Cardenas, and Cornella. 
Um, mm-hmm. So really awesome to kind of see teams put multiple guys on those age level world teams like that. Um, you know, cause it just kind of gives us a little bit more of a scent like, Hey, like, obviously we know these guys are good. Excited to see them in the folk style season. Do you have any other final thoughts or things of interest from U twenties, U 23s? I know we wanted to touch on the women's freestyle before we head out of here. I, I did. Yes. I wanted to say, um, Skylar Grote, uh, I hope she feels better about the, the Amit Elor loss at the trials now, considering she, uh, watched her, you know, walk through the entire rest of the planet. Uh, many, <laughs> Multiple many, times uh, at that. <laughs> yeah. A couple different times, you know, and every way, shape or form she could, she beat everybody else, you know? So, um, and, you know, I'm kind of joking. I know Skylar had wrestled in some other international competitions and done very, very well, even after losing in the trials and was like, you know, Hey, I feel like I'm right there. But this is even more of one of those like self-affirming things. Like, yeah, I'm definitely right there. Like, I didn't get teched by the person who teched the rest of the planet. So, <laughs> uh, or maybe she did. I don't remember off the top of my head. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. Uh, feel good about that one, Skylar. And then, you know, we had talked about, too, um, Felicity Taylor uh, having a similar sort of situation, right? You go out there, you lose domestically in the trials, uh, you know, in, in what was a pretty close match. Uh, and then, you know, you go out there and you've got, uh, Dom Parrish winning the gold medal anyway and beating the rest of the world. So, yeah, you know, she had, uh, what placed fifth at, uh, at U 23s, I think Felicity did. And, and you yeah, know, this was her, this was her second trip to the U 23 world championships. Um, and she, you know, the, the first time she went, she won the U 23 trials. Um, this time she was second on the senior ladder. So she just kind of raised her yep. hand and, and decided to go and, um best she's look internationally right like she's she mm-hmm. i think the these this and the it was 2019 that she made the u23 team those were her only international experiences at least at world championship events i know she's gone overseas to train and um you know she might have done a pan am thing um i believe she did a pan am thing now that i'm thinking about it out loud um but yeah like to go you know last time she went to u23s did obviously not go very well this time she got to the semis ended up losing to two medalists obviously um, but yeah, like she's, she's clearly putting things together. Um, you know, and so it's, it's, it's exciting to know that there's, you know, just from like the women's, um, program in general, I know it's really easy to talk about us women's freestyle right now because they're very consistently the second in the world, but at some of these weights, there's, there's a ton of depth, right? Like Ahmed Elor is, you know, like she's winning all these world championships and I can't help, but think like, dude, the Olympic trials are in two years. And there's going to be a combination of like Adeline Gray, Kylie Welker, um, the Blade Sisters, Amit Elor, um, Tamara Mensah Stock for two Diamond spots. Gilford, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Diamond Guilford. She just I, she just got to the she medaled at U23. Yeah, right? silver. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, there's just so many superstars in every which direction, you know. Like, and that's like we're rattling off all those names, and like, there's only two spots on the Olympic team, right? Like that's. That's good. It's going to be really fun, right? And you can go up and down all the weights and, and do the same thing, right? We talked about Felicity and Dami Parrish, um, you know, looking at the the U twenty the U twenty uh, fifty three kilo wrestler, um, if I can work flow arena correctly. Katie Gomez, who's uh, you know she's uh, she's doing the sun kiss thing down at uh down at Arizona State. She took third at U twenties. Um, just a lot of depth, right? And like you know, clearly we aren't on the same level as Japan because they just insert, you know, their seventh string and they don't give up a point in route to a world championship, no matter what age level. Um, but like we're, we're getting like, we're clearly separated from the rest of the world. I feel like at least like, I know that the U 23 women's freestyle team took, no, they tied for second. They tied with Ukraine, um, Mm -hmm. for second place, but, um, there's a lot of good depth there. Um, and these world championship events are just really good reminders of that. Absolutely. You know, and it's great to see other other countries in the world. I mean, you know, we talked about uh, some of the programs that had, you know, multiple people going. Um, but I think it's great to have, you know, a Wyoming and a Cal Baptist and South Dakota State. And, and you know, a lot of these programs that aren't your, you know, your your biggest programs, right, that are that are sending people to all these different um, uh, events. But then again, like, you know, you talk about some of the, the women here. You're going to this tournament. Guess what? You're going to get uh, Jessica Medina Bunker is going to be your head uh, head coach. Uh, Allie Reagan is going to be an assigned coach to you. And then you've got all these other coaches: Izzy Martinez, Forrest Molinari, uh, Heath Macaluso. You, you've got a lot of just knowledge and skills and abilities to draw off of, and that's where our depth comes from, right? It comes from people who've been there, who've done that, who've challenged themselves, and and who I believe are instilling that willingness to like, hey, go back again, do it again. 
you know, see what you've learned, see where you've gotten better, right? Take those losses and turn them into something better in the future. So um, across the board, it was awesome. Uh, I'm really excited to kind of see how it translates to this coming NCAA season and, you know, what uh, what we're going to get from that too. It's going to be exciting, man. I appreciate you coming on to kind of hash some of these thoughts out that we were having big picture wise, um, you know, these international events, you know, kind of just like you said, like it's, it's, it's fun because it gives us high level summer wrestling to watch. But then like, you know, in the case of U 23s, sometimes this can be a launching pad for some of these guys and gals to have really good, um, you know, collegiate seasons. Um, you know, I know we mentioned your stuff at the top. You're doing the Big Ten thing for Intermat. You've got your own podcast, Blood Round. Where where else can people find you? What else are you working on lately as, uh, you know, we gear up ready for the season? Yeah, well, I kind of previewed part of it. I got a, a Big Ten um, breakout candidate article coming out um, from Intermat sometime soon. I got to finish up here at some point the Big Ten preview stuff. I know that's due to Earl here shortly, so uh, <laughs> definitely have two of my seven schools that I followed done. Um uh, so look for that. But yeah, bloodround.com. You can follow me at Clonchinator on Twitter. And um, other than that, yeah, appreciate uh, you having me on, man. Appreciate the chance to shout some stuff out. Big, big thanks again to Clonch, who made some time in the middle of the week, literally in the middle of his workday, to chat some wrestling. Touched on a lot there, but I hope you guys heard the excitement in our voices. We're more than ready for the upcoming college season. That's all I've got today, guys. We just crossed the hour mark. Thanks a bunch for listening. Be sure to rate and review the show on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Cody Goodwin, Instagram Cody J. Goodwin, and of course, be sure to subscribe to catch all my stories, mailbags, analysis, and videos. You can find links to do all of that, as well as stories from this past week in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, you guys. We will talk again soon. going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.